Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 8. And these early chapters in the book of Acts are very helpful to us in understanding what doctrine was being preached prior to the beginning of the dispensation of the grace of God, which we're quickly coming to in our study of the book of Acts. Now, understand that the book of Acts is not primarily a book of doctrine. It's not like the epistles that come later where uh, they're just, you know, laying out uh, biblical doctrine. Rather, the book of Acts is a uh, it's a narration. It's it's telling a story of the events that happened uh, after the the uh, ascension of Christ. And. It's even though it's not primarily a book of doctrine, we can see from the things that are recorded, we can see the the doctrine that was being taught. And in this passage that we'll be looking at today, we can see that clearly uh, in the case of uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. And we'll pick up today in verse 26, where it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest what thou readest. Now, uh, again, this Philip, the the same Philip that we saw in a previous lesson where he went into Samaria and was teaching there, this is not the apostle Philip. This is a, a man that's often referred to as Philip the Evangelist. And he's one of those deacons of the church at Jerusalem. And uh, he, if you remember the, the verses before this in Acts chapter 8, he had had great success in preaching in Samaria. And many people were coming to believe on Christ in that region of Samaria. And here the angel of the Lord says to Philip to go toward the south. It says, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, if you're familiar with the geography of that area, if you just kind of picture the the map of Israel, uh, Jerusalem is kind of in the in the middle of the country, going from north to south. Now, the area where Philip had been previously was up in Samaria, which is to the north of Jerusalem. Gaza, uh, oftentimes in the in the news today, you may hear about. Got the Gaza Strip, which is uh, one of the disputed territories, um, one, of the, one of the areas where uh, the Israelis argue with the uh, Palestinians. And that area, the Gaza Strip, is largely autonomous today, but uh, it's, it's pretty much cut off from um, the nation of Israel. In fact, there aren't, you can't really drive from Israel into the Gaza Strip. Um, that Gaza Strip is uh, an area that in ancient times would have been the home of the Philistines. 
And so Gaza would have been a Philistine city. In fact, the name Palestine comes from the word Philistine. And uh, Gaza is a, a city that's down on the Mediterranean coast in that area that we would think of today as the Gaza Strip. And so there was a road that went from Jerusalem down to Gaza. Now, Philip isn't going all the way down to the city of Gaza. We don't know how far he would have been from Jerusalem here. But he's somewhere along that road through the desert that went down to Gaza. And, you know, this this may have seemed like a very strange thing for Philip. I mean, here he's been been having these, uh, you know, just just this great uh, move of God there in, in Samaria. And God sends him out into the desert where there aren't a lot of people. He's just, you know, kind of out there on his own. But the Lord has a purpose for sending him there because he goes there and there's a, a man of Ethiopia that it describes as a eunuch that is driving along the road there. And um, Philip encounters him on that road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And this this Ethiopian eunuch, uh, it describes him as as being somebody of great authority. Uh, now, as a eunuch, and a, a eunuch would be a, a reference to him probably having been physically emasculated. Uh, this was a common practice of the time, where a servant who was going to deal with with sensitive matters um, could be could be emasculated, uh, castrated. And the idea was that by not having his own family, um, he could serve his his master. In this case, this Ethiopian's um, ruler would have been Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And they wouldn't be, be worried about establishing their own family or, you know, trying to commit treason or something to um, promote their own family. And uh, so it probably is a reference to physical castration that that had taken place. But he's over the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. She's described as being Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. And that term Candace, or really the the um, pronunciation would be Kandake, uh, isn't isn't so much a name as it is a title. And so the, the queens of Ethiopia would have that title, and he serves her as a eunuch. Now, it says that he had gone up to Jerusalem to worship. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship. And so that tells us something about this man. He's not just some heathen Gentile. Um, now, it does describe him as being a man of Ethiopia, and uh, whether that means that he was a, a Jew who had, you know, the Jews were scattered into, into all the nations, and whether he was a Jew who had been in Ethiopia or whether he was an Ethiopian who had either become a proselyte or was at least a God-fearing Gentile, uh, he had some connection to Judaism. And, and that's important to understand because those are, you know, outside of, of Israel proper, those are the only kinds of people that we see being dealt with here early in, in uh, the book of Acts. We saw how the Jews that were scattered around the persecution of Stephen, that they, um, they went out into these other countries, but they were speaking the word to none but the Jews only. And, and we've seen that order, how the focus was on Israel first, and, and really uh, the focus, according to this prophetic program, was not going to switch to the Gentiles until Christ was 
physically present until after the second coming of Christ. Now, we know that because of the dispensation of grace that God has inserted, uh, that God today is approaching the Gentiles directly. But according to this prophetic program that's unfolding here in the book of Acts, uh, they're not they're not going out to the heathen Gentiles. All these Gentiles here in early Acts are all connected to Israel in some way, and this Ethiopian is no exception. Ethiopia is kind of a, an interesting place, by the way. Um, you know that there's, there's a, a group of black Jews in Ethiopia. I believe most, if not all of them, have now immigrated to Israel once they were able to prove their, their Jewish lineage. But these were, these were, you know, appeared to be Africans, but they had Jewish religious practices and they claimed to be Jewish. And uh, in fact, anthropologists who studied this group called the Falashas, um, they determined that many of their practices were even, you know, went back to, to pre-exile Israel. So before Israel was taken into captivity in Babylon, um, the, you know, these, these people, um, would have separated from, from Israel in some way and have been down there in Ethiopia ever since. And uh, like I say, I, I believe under the modern state of Israel with their right of return, I think the Falashas have mostly, if not all, immigrated to Israel once they were able to prove their um, their Jewish lineage by, by DNA testing. But uh, you have some of these connections between Ethiopia and Israel. Remember how the Queen of Sheba, for instance, came to Israel uh, under the reign of King Solomon, and she became a believer. She's given as an example in the Bible of an Old Testament Gentile who came to be a believer in the Lord and has eternal life. And uh, according to Ethiopian tradition, the, the Ethiopians believe that uh, the Queen of Sheba actually married Solomon, and they had a son that was named Menelik that became King Menelik I of Ethiopia. Just interesting connections there. Um, it, it's also very interesting that uh, the nation of Ethiopia, many people believe, is the present home of the Ark of the Covenant. So, you know, just some interesting connections there with, with Ethiopia. Now, again, this Ethiopian eunuch is either a Jew who had, had, uh, you know, through whatever circumstances had, uh, lived in Ethiopia or was a, a proselyte, a Gentile who converted to Judaism or was a, a God-fearing Gentile. This would be a Gentile who didn't necessarily become a Jew through circumcision, but worshiped the Lord God of Israel. And so, so, uh, this eunuch is he goes to Jerusalem to worship. So he's he's worshiping according to the Hebrew manner. Now, that's kind of a, an interesting thing because actually one of the restrictions of the temple worship, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 23, Deuteronomy chapter 23, uh, where it lays some restrictions on who can enter into the congregation of the Lord, Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 1 says, He that is wounded in the stones or hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Now, uh, this, this eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, but he would not have been allowed to actually enter into the, the temple building. 
Um, and, and in fact, if he indeed was a, a, a Gentile, even a God-fearing Gentile, he may not have even been able to get close to the temple building. But he goes there to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. So this is somebody that's already worshiping the Lord God of Israel. And uh, in fact, as he's riding there in his chariot, he's reading the book of Isaiah. Now, the, you know, the, the New Testament often, if you're using a King James Bible, uh, instead of spelling the word Isaiah with an I, it'll be Esaias, E-S-A-I-A-S. And that's just the, that's just sort of the Greek form of that name because the New Testament was written in Greek, but it's talking about the prophet Isaiah. And so in his chariot, as he has left Jerusalem, he's headed back, presumably to Ethiopia, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. And so Philip knows now why he's sent out here to stand by this highway in the wilderness, in the desert. And the spirit tells him to go and, and join himself to his chariot. Verse 30 says that Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest what thou readest. And verse 31, and he, the eunuch, said, How can I except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And, and so this man, he's reading the book of Isaiah, but he, he's obviously not understanding. He, he says, how can I understand it unless some man guide me? And he invites Philip to come and, and talk with him. Uh, his statement there reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says over in Romans chapter 10, where uh, in Romans 10 verse 13, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And verse 14 says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15 says, and how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16 says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Esaias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? And it just so happens that uh, as Paul quotes Isaiah there in verse 16, he's actually quoting from the passage that this Ethiopian eunuch was reading in the book of Isaiah. But uh, Paul says in Romans 10 verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now you notice his, his statement there. Um, he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call if they haven't believed on him? And how can they believe? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And, you know, you can, you can uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But, you know, I don't, I don't know anybody personally who has, has told me their testimony of salvation that says that they were just reading the Bible on their own and came to understand salvation by grace through faith and, and believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, maybe there are people who just from reading the Bible on their own have gotten saved, but I've never met anybody like that. Everybody that I know uh, who shared their testimony with me says that somebody came and shared with them the gospel and shared, shared the gospel with them from the Bible, but helped them to understand the things that were written there. And that's that's kind of along the lines of what Paul's saying there in Romans 10 when he says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And 
uh, here in 1 Corinthians 1, notice what this passage says in verse 21. It says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Verse 25 says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And um, you... You see there, verse 21, it said that God has chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Uh, not just from individual people reading the Bible. There are plenty of unsaved people that read the Bible and never come to a, a knowledge, a saving knowledge of the grace of God and the gospel of God's grace. Uh, there are plenty of people like that. And... Um, you know, you can read the Bible for a lot of different reasons. And, and there are a lot of people who read the Bible just according to the kind of foolish wisdom that's mentioned here in, in this passage and the foolish wisdom of this world. And they never really come to understand what, what the Bible is about. Um, what, what the preacher often does, because, you know, when you're dealing with the Bible, you're dealing with spiritual things. And so the, the carnal mind just can't relate to those spiritual things of God's word. Now, what the preacher is able to do, what, a, what an effective preacher is able to do, is to take those spiritual things and to, in sharing the gospel with someone, to be, to be sort, of a, sort of a bridge to help them under, understand the things that are there. Here, this Ethiopian eunuch, he recognizes his inability to understand unless somebody shows him. And he recognizes that Philip is somebody who can show, you know, the very fact that Philip is, is asking him whether he understands what he's reading, uh, he, he thinks maybe Philip can help him to understand what's going on here. Let's go back to our text in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And the specific passage that the Ethiopian is reading, we see in verse 32. So Philip comes up into the chariot. And the eunuch is reading, in verse 32, it says, The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb, dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? of himself or of some other man. Now, the passage that, that uh, the man is reading from, we find in Isaiah 53. But before you go there, let's read one more verse. Uh, he asks, who's he speaking about, himself or some other man? And verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now, let's go back to that passage in Isaiah 53. This is a this is a passage that uh, is in hindsight, you know, to us as as believers in Christ. In hindsight, we can go back to this passage and we see a clear portrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ here in Isaiah 53. And let's just start in verse one. Isaiah 53 verse one says, "Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed?" 
Now that was, that was the passage that Paul quoted in Romans chapter 10, who hath believed our report. Uh, verse 2 says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And throughout this passage, it's talking about this he. Now, if we're to put ourselves in the place of the Ethiopian eunuch, um, the passage isn't necessarily as clear. I mean, when we when we read it, as we start to read down through these verses, we can see very clearly it's a portrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a it's a, uh, a prophetic uh, foretelling of many things about the Lord, including his death and the substitutionary atonement that it would provide. Um, but if you don't know that, like we know that, reading it here, uh, if you put your pl yourself in the place of the Ethiopian eunuch, it may be kind of hard to determine who's the he in the passage. Verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is done, or is dumb rather, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Now, verses 7 and 8 there are the verses that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. He's no doubt reading the whole passage. Uh, probably much more than, than just this chapter. But um, uh, the specific verses it mentions in Acts 8 are verses 7 and 8. Now, if you compare the two, you might see some differences in, wor in wording between them. And uh, a lot of that, remember, when we're reading it here in Isaiah, we're reading it from Hebrew translated into English. When you're reading it in, um, in Acts, you're reading it from... Hebrew, probably translated into Greek, translated into English, right? And so there can be a few, a few wording differences, but the, the intent is the same. And uh, you see how it's describing, again, this one that's oppressed, that is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, that is uh, dumb as a sheep before shearers. And, and it says, for the transgression of my people was he stricken at the end of verse 8. Let's just read the rest of the chapter. Verse 9 says, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death 
And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. And you see how many times there it describes this one, this he in the passage, that is bearing sins, bearing iniquities. Um, he's he's uh, um, it says that he'll justify the righteous servant will justify many, and this this passage you know if you if you read much about what the rabbis write about the Old Testament and the rabbis do just like this eunuch would have done in studying the the Old Testament, um, the Jewish rabbis don't don't really have a clear understanding of this passage and most often if they try to identify who it's talking about they they would have the passage talking about the nation of Israel and the many things that they've suffered throughout their history uh modern jewish writers um many times point to the holocaust as as a fulfillment of this passage and just the the terrible things that the, the jews suffered in the Holocaust as being the suffering that a passage like this is describing. And and yet when you read through the passage, and we'll look at it in more detail in the next lesson as well, but when when you look at the passage, you see that there are, are some different people described. There is he, he that is despised and rejected of men in verse 3, um, he that at the end of verse six, it says the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. But then there's this group of people that's described. You see it there at the end of verse six, us all. Well, who uh, who is us all? If you look at the end of verse eight, it says for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And there you have Isaiah talking about his people being the people of Israel. And so it just doesn't fit the passage. There would be many more reasons we could give why it doesn't fit the passage to say that it's Israel. But but that alone ought to help you see it's not talking about Israel because it's somebody here that is suffering in the place of Israel. It's somebody who's suffering for Israel's iniquities and Israel's sins, not Israel's suffering at, at the hand of God. And again, there would be there would be many more reasons that uh, we could see why this can't be Israel in this passage, but I think that alone makes it fairly clear. And so you can understand why this eunuch, as he's reading this passage, he doesn't know anything uh, apparently about the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, he hasn't; he's not from that area. He doesn't live in Jerusalem. He had come from a long way to to come and worship, and he's. He's pondering this passage as he's on his way home, having visited Jerusalem, that, you know, that great center of, of Judaism. And Philip explains to him that this passage, it's not talking about Israel. It's not the prophet talking about himself, but rather it's the prophet talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who died as a, as a sacrifice and as a substitute here in this passage for the sins of Israel. Now, next time we'll uh, look at this in a little more detail and and compare it as well to the gospel of the grace of God, which even goes beyond what is taught here in Isaiah 53. But um, you you know, one of the striking things from this account here in Acts 8 is is just the the willingness and the yieldedness of Philip the evangelist, and he's known by that term as Philip the evangelist. We've seen him evangelizing in Samaria. We see him here, uh, you know, going going out to this desert road to witness to one person. 
And, you know, there are many times where we think that in serving the Lord that it has to be about big numbers. Um, but, but Philip here, listening to the angel of the Lord and the Spirit of God, goes out there into the wilderness, into the desert, to find this one man and witness to him. Now, the we'll read the rest of the account in the next lesson. It doesn't tell us really what happened with this this uh, eunuch after this, but tradition records that he went back to Ethiopia and he told other people about this message that he had heard about this Jesus, the Messiah, that fulfilled these things of, of the Old Testament prophets. And uh, that was not a, a wasted trip for Philip to go down there. Now, it was a very different in nature from from just the, the wide reception and the crowds of people that he was ministering to in Samaria. It was a big change for him to come down to the desert to, to meet this Ethiopian, somebody who couldn't even go into the temple to worship. But he goes down there in obedience to the Lord and he tells him about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that man goes away rejoicing because of that message that he heard. And never, never, uh, never underestimate what the impact can be of having that conversation with one person about the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's accomplished for us. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.